Well, as I mentioned, the uh, preaching of God's holy word this morning comes to us from Psalm 62, a, a psalm of David. If you turn there uh, in your pew Bibles or personal Bibles uh, with me, I will read that psalm as you follow along. A comforting psalm that calls us to put our, our hope and our trust in the midst of waiting for God to act in our God, uh, trusting Him, looking to His character and His promises uh, to sustain us in the midst of trouble, as we just sang together. This is God's holy word, Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. For He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, waits in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. We're going to end the reading of God's Word there. We're going to look at a couple other psalms, though, this morning. So please keep your thumb there in the book of Psalms. Well, in this uh, hectic, get-ahead world in which we live, uh, the phrase, hurry up and wait, seems to be true more often than not in our everyday lives. We run from place to place, desperately trying to check off our to-do list, only to find uh, that we have to wait. We have to wait in that, that one open lane at the grocery store when there are six others that could be manned. Uh, we wait at the intersection when the signal's gone out, and it's every man for himself. And we wait at our children's school, where the pickup line is now so long that you wonder if you'll still recognize your children when you finally get to the point of picking them up. Waiting is a part of everyday life, and uh, it can test our patience, can it? But have you ever found yourself waiting for God? Have you ever found yourself waiting for God? Maybe you've recently prayed for a positive outcome to some medical tests that you've had, and, and waiting for the results seems unbearable. Maybe you're waiting right now for God's Spirit to finally work in the life of your wayward son or daughter to save them, and it seems like God isn't working. He's not changing them. When we wait for God... We can sometimes feel anxious. We can feel frustrated. It's hard to wait quietly, calmly for God 
to act. But that's exactly what David confesses here in Psalm 62. Uh, At least twice he confesses, for God alone my soul waits in silence. David's soul waited for his God with a peaceful, calm trust. And we might wonder, in this world, how do we turn off all the noise and, and, and the anxious thoughts and feelings of our own hearts and calmly wait for God to act on our behalf? How can we do that? And the psalmist's inspired answer is this, we're going to look at this morning, that we can wait calmly for God by knowing who God is for us in Jesus Christ and by believing His promises. This psalm, Psalm 62, belongs to the second book or the second major section in the book of Psalms. And it's a, it's a section that emphasizes the kingdom life of believers. And it asks and it answers the question, how does God's kingship, how does His sovereign rule over our lives give us strength and protection, even in the midst of struggles that seem to call God's kingship, His rule, into question? The comforting answer that we're going to look at this morning is that we serve a God whose power, whose steadfast love for His church never fails. He's defeated every obstacle, every enemy of his people through Jesus Christ, his son, so that we can rest peacefully, calmly in his sovereign embrace. We're going to notice together this morning that we wait in weakness, we wait in the truth, and we wait in Christ. One of the reasons that we struggle to wait calmly upon the Lord, peacefully upon the Lord, is because we often find ourselves in this life in a position of weakness. Weakness of the circumstances in which we find ourselves, but also weakness of our own will. We sometimes feel vulnerable, we feel insecure, which makes the waiting seem intolerable. David, the inspired psalmist, wrote this psalm to combats his own weakness of soul as he was facing attackers who were eager to oppress him with their power and wealth. The psalm doesn't tell us exactly what was going on in David's life, whether he was facing opposition from his wicked son or from wicked leaders in Israel. But in verse 3, he says that he feels, amidst all of this opposition, he feels like, like a tottering wall, a leaning wall, a tottering fence. He's been battered all day long by his opponents, and he's ready to cave in. Some years ago, an old pine tree that used to stand for many years on Central Avenue here in Chino, those of you who've lived here uh, a number of years will remember this, that tree, as large as it was, uh, could no longer handle the force of the winds of the Santa Anas, and, and it bowed to the ground. Uh, its powerful roots, its, its huge trunk was no match for the gusts of wind that brought it down. David felt like that. As powerful as he was as the king of Israel, he felt weak, he felt vulnerable. His enemies lie in wait, ready to topple him like a leaning wall, like an unstable fence. And that is what the church of Christ still experiences today. 
the opponents of Jesus' church, opponents from within as well as outside of the church, lie in wait to destroy Christ's church. They are, as David says here in verse 4, they are lovers of what is false. They hold wicked cursing in their hearts against all that Christ loves, including his children, including his church. In every age, the church is not immune to that sort of spiritual weakness, spiritual opposition. We wait in weakness from the outside. Enemies of the church strive to break up our unity and our fellowship, to get us to believe that good is evil and evil is good. All around the world, Christians are marginalized, if not outrightly persecuted, for their confession of faith. And we face enemies from within as well. From within, we face the daily struggle of our great enemy, our own sin. And against the power of its temptation, you might feel like a leaning wall, a tottering fence, unable to keep yourself from falling amidst the gale force winds of that temptation. And in the midst of such weakness, as we wait upon God, sometimes we look at the unrighteous world around us and we become envious. We ask, why do the righteous suffer while the unrighteous seem to gain wealth and, and security even though they live in wickedness? It doesn't seem fair. In fact, later on, at the beginning of book three of the Psalms in Psalm 73, the Psalm of Asaph, and he says as much. Although he begins by confessing that God is good, he goes on and says, as for me, my, as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. I had nearly slipped. Why? Because I was envious of the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Uh, he goes on and says, I saw that they, they seemed to have a very good and happy, carefree life right up until death. They're fat and they're sleek. They have no trouble like everyone else. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. And so they wear pride around their neck. They deny God all the while. And yet they're still at ease and they increase in riches. And he despairs in verse 13 of Psalm 73 and wonders if it was all in vain that he waited upon God. That he kept his heart clean. That he washed his hands in innocence, because all day long, even while waiting upon the God, his God in obedience, he has been stricken and rebuked. Perhaps you have gone through a period of time in your life where you have held doubts in your heart about whether the God upon whom you wait will really come through for you in the end. We wait in weakness. And David the psalmist then must remind us in verses 9 and 10 that the wicked are but a breath. Those of low or high estate, regardless of the case, are together lighter than a breath, he says. And so he said, don't set your hearts on the things that the wicked desire. Don't be envious of those who don't seem to struggle. Put no trust in extortion, he says in verse 10. No vain hopes on robbery. Don't put your heart, set your heart upon riches. But wait upon the God of your salvation, even in weakness. We wait in weakness with enemies around us, enemies 
within us. Still, David says, and he repeats several times here, that the soul of the believer waits in silence for God alone. Again, we might wonder, with all of uh, these sorts of doubts and trials and opponents swirling around us, how can we possibly wait for God with that sort of quiet calm? The glorious answer that, that David gives us here is that we can wait because of what we know to be true about God. We wait for God with a sure knowledge of who He is for us. Notice what David confesses about God in in the following verses. The God upon whom he waits, verse 2, is his rock. He confesses, God, you are my rock. You are my strength in the midst of my weakness. You are my salvation, the only one able to rescue or redeem me from my sin. You are my fortress. When I feel that I am a a tottering fence or wall that I cannot hold up, I cannot stand up under the gale force winds of temptation, you are my strength, my protection, my fortress. Verse 5, he again says, for God alone my soul waits. My hope is in you, O God. And this is not a hope of wishful thinking, but a hope of certainty. That God will certainly provide. He will certainly answer my prayer. It is but a matter of waiting upon Him to act. He says something similar in verse 8, 7 and 8. He says, O God, You are my glory. I may not have much reputation among men, among the wicked who who profane the name of God and and marginalize His people, but, but God is the one in whom I find my glory. He says, finally, you are my refuge. You are the one in whom I find my security and protection. David doesn't look to to the success of worldly people or to the accumulation of wealth and, and comfort. He doesn't even look to the removal of his suffering as the reason for his calm waiting. What anchors his trust What anchors his calm assurance is the knowledge of who God is for him. He can wait in silence with a calm, peaceful trust, even when temptations and persecutions and worldly grief swirl all around him like a gust of wind, because he knows the truth about God, a God who is for him. And David's call to trust is also our call to trust. We too must wait in truth. When you're tempted to doubt God's goodness, when you're tempted to doubt that His plan is best or that His timing is good, when you find yourself doubting that it's worth following Jesus to the very end, ask yourself, what do I know about God? What do I believe about God? And what we know, what we have certainty of, is what He has promised us in the gospel. We know that God has all the power to save us from our sin. We know that He has all the power to protect us from the evil one. We know that He has all power to turn even the most difficult and unpleasant trial or period of our life, the most uncomfortable time of waiting, for our good 
the believer's confession is sure. David says, verse 11, Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. It is absolutely certain and true, this word of God. What is that word? That power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. We can look to our steadfast love faithful covenant God for all the protection that we need. We look to Him to preserve us in the midst of our trials and we look to Him so that on the day that God renders to each man according to His work, we will stand with the righteous before God and we will not be consumed with the wicked. We can wait calmly upon God because of what we know God has told us that He alone is our protection, our salvation, our refuge and strength. And so we can confess David's words in another psalm, which we sang earlier this morning, Psalm 27. I encourage you to look there with me. I'd like to read the entire psalm. This is the confession of the believer who waits upon the Lord. Even in a moment or period of weakness, this is the confession of the believer. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold, the fortress of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When e- evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the covers of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of of the living. That is the believer's confession and what they know about God as our refuge and strength and that is why the psalmist can conclude and we can conclude wait for the Lord. That, was, that wasn't me. Wait for the Lord. Maybe it was. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. What a tremendous comfort we have. We can confess David's words in faith. This is the believer's confession. We wait for God. 
with the sure knowledge that he secured everything we need for salvation in life. We wait with the sure knowledge that the gates of hell cannot prevail over the house of God because the walls of God's temple, the walls of his church, have been fortified by Christ himself. Each of us knows our feet will not slip. Even in the midst of trial, we will be securely held by God. And how can we be assured of that? That God will hold us fast in the midst of our waiting. What demonstration has God given us of his steadfast love? We've been given the gift of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus and his heavenly Father agreed from all eternity that he should come to earth, that he should bear our nature and our sin. They agreed from all eternity that Christ should be pushed over like a tottering wall into the grave of death in the place of his children. Though he is the king of all, he willingly came to be made the servant of all. He came to be knocked to the very ground that he had created by wicked men that he made in his own image, by God's will, so that you and I would never experience eternal death. Believer, if God did not spare his own son in order to save you, be assured that he will certainly preserve you in the midst of your waiting. Jesus was abandoned by his father for a time. He cried out, 